Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Takun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief at Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is Senior Staff Writer Ryan Whitfield. Hey Ryan, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. How you doing tonight? All right, not too bad. And of course, what would this show be if we didn't have technical difficulties? We actually have a special treat for you, a guest, special guest, but uh, we're having some problems connecting to him, and he is going to call in in a few seconds. So, and there he is. All right. Okay, looks like we're all complete now. As I was just saying, we have a special treat for all of you this week, as we have a special guest, Nick Sparks, co-host of the Beer Fueled Fantasy Podcast. If you haven't given this a listen, you're missing out. You gotta go check it out. Nick, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I had to race out of work to get here, but I'm glad I was able to make the show with you guys. <laughs> well, we, we certainly appreciate it. And of course, we, uh, I was just telling uh, Ryan that what would our show be if we didn't have some technical difficulties? We tend to have that a lot, and we did with you, so we made it work. Thanks for show, just showing up. So I've been, uh, I've been puffing this up on, on Twitter. I'm saying that you are the, the Jedi Master of fantasy football. But tell us a little bit about yourself here, uh, Nick. Tell us, how did you get into fantasy football in the first place? I uh, was just moved into a new apartment with my uh, co-host Dan on Beer Fueled Fantasy Football in 2011, and uh, he basically said that if I was going to live with him, I have to play fantasy football in his league. Uh, jumped into <laughs> that, had a terrible draft. I took Michael Vick in the uh, second round that year that he just completely oh. busted after breaking himself. Yeah. Uh, showed us how much how made of glass he was. Uh, but I decided if I was going to play, I'm going to get good at this. So I ended up uh, becoming a waiver wire uh, just fanatic clawed my way to a best record in the league my first year and finished third and i've been hooked ever since wow yeah that's a, that sounds like a story that we've a lot of us have experienced but you decided to take it to the next level and started beer fueled fantasy to football the podcast tell us a little bit about that so we decided this is kind of a brainchild of uh mine and dan's back from about 2014 we kept talking about we should start a podcast. We should start a website. We had this great name that we just loved and thought it just rolled off the tongue, kind of gave the idea of a bunch of guys sitting around a bar stool who just having a good time laughing at their own jokes and uh, just kind of a fun environment to come in and join. Uh, it wasn't until I moved down to central Illinois, though, from Minneapolis and uh, met Christopher Hopper, who's our third host, that we kind of started putting it together. And then when Dan moved down to central Illinois here back in September, we finally started getting everything finished up. And we launched a few weeks before the NFL draft this year in April of 2017. Awesome. That is awesome. And we are so happy to have you here on the podcast with us today. And with that, we have a bunch of fantasy questions to cover. So let's go ahead and uh, get this thing started. All right, so there's a lot of things that we want to talk about, and the first thing we're going to talk about, and we're going to pick your brain, Nick, first, is Anquan Bolden. So I know that he, of a, in of himself, is not a, a huge fantasy impact. I mean, going over to Buffalo, although he's had a pretty good career if he stays, if he stays retired. He's had top 20 seasons, eight of his 11 years. He abruptly retired, like I said, August 20th. You know, the Bills... We don't know what they're doing. They traded away Sammy Watkins. They acquired Jordan Matthews, but he is currently suffering from a fractured sternum. You know, I'm sure fantasy players out there are wondering, how does this impact the fantasy outlook of all those guys 
over in Buffalo, including Tyrod Taylor, who's being drafted in the 12th round, LaShawn McCoy, who's been drafted in the first round, and some of those other wide receivers out there. Tell us, what's your take on this, Nick? Uh, well, first, I'm not sure anyone told the Bills that the Jets are tanking harder than they are in their own division, <laughs> so they probably shouldn't try this strategy. Um, main things I went through in my rankings, I went through and I downloaded, uh, down, uh, downgraded both Taylor and Peterman a little bit, depending on which one ends up getting the start, because Peterman's flashing a little bit here in the preseason, and I don't think they're that tied to Taylor long term. Uh, but I think either of them are going to lose a weapon that could give them some touchdown upside in the red zone. Uh, really, the only one left here is going to be Charles Clay. Matthews and Zay Jones are not going to be high touchdown uh, targets. They're going to be more between the 20s guys. I personally think Zay Jones ends up being the number one here. Uh, and he's going to run outside. Matthews will be running out of the slot in three wide receiver sets. I do think they both get a slight bump just because they're going to get a little bit more of a target share, but I'm not super high on either guy. I got them both ranked in the 40s of my wide receivers. And then uh, this kind of makes Charles Clay more of a safe floor tight end if you're maybe in a start-two tight end league or a tight end premium type situation where you want to start a second tight end. Charles Clay may be worth a dart throw, but really – this offense is going to be pretty rough outside of LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, that's uh, kind of the feel that I have, too. But let me ask you, uh, for our listeners out there, right now Zay Jones has an average draft position of 145, going in the 13th round in standard 12-team league. Jordan Matthews really uh, just in front of him at an ADP of 143. So of those two, which one, is you drafting, which one are you drafting first, and are you willing to reach a little bit uh, outside of the 13th, 12th round in order to get him? Uh, for where I've got them both ranked right now in my top 200, I'm taking them. I take either one in the 10th or 11th round without hesitation. Right. If I was picking one, I would take Zay Jones. Okay. Well, Ryan, let's get your take on this. What do you think about what's happening with the Bills and how does this impact their fantasy outlook? Yeah, I mean, I think it. Uh, you know, it, it absolutely justifies staying away from Buffalo. Um, Tyrod Taylor is not a good enough quarterback that you can look at. Whoever the number one guy ends up being. Um, as a legitimate anything outside of a wide receiver three, in my opinion. So um, I like Zay Jones better than I like Jordan Matthews, too. Um, Jordan Matthews is a guy who doesn't ever seem to put it together for the full season, whether it be injuries, drops, or uh, just bad route running. So, um, yep. you know, in, in general, even if Bolden had stayed, I was probably staying away from this receiving core. Um, if, I, if I'm starting one of these guys, then, I, I, you know, I don't, feel, I don't feel great about the draft I had. And Jordan Matthews, true to form, first practice with the Bills ends up breaking – a sturdum, so that's always fun. Who knows what's going to be uh, what's going to be happening coming up in that first week? So tell me, Nick, what are your thoughts about Lashawn McCoy still taking him in the top uh, of the first round? Or are you are you dropping him a little bit? Uh, I always, I've had him as my running back four ever since the Zeke uh, suspension news came down. I'm a, I'm a huge Gordon fan, so I've had McCoy just behind him. I'm still happy taking him there. I'm taking him right in the middle of the first round. Um, and I really want to start start running back heavy in this particular year's drafts because there's just not a lot there once you get past about the first 12 or 13 guys. All right, and Ryan, your thoughts on uh, on LaShawn McCoy? You think Shady is still worth a pick in the first round? Oh, absolutely. I would. I, would, I have him uh, three after the the Elliott suspension. I, I don't have Melvin Gordon ahead of him, but um, I would. Uh, I mean, you know, he's he's probably the only he's going to be the workhorse there, and you know, obviously he's great in the passing game too. So. Um, he's going to get a lot of touches, and that offense is pretty much going to run through him uh, for the 2017, uh, 2017 season here. All right. Let's go ahead and uh, wrap that one up then. Ring the bell. Move on to our next topic. That's going to be Blake Bortles. 
That's right. Uh, Coach Doug Marone would not commit to Blake Bortles as a starter. He might go to Chad Henney. Wow. Well, Bortles looked horrible in the, in his preseason appearances, particularly in the second preseason game, underthrowing, overthrowing, all, doing anything but hitting his receivers. Allen Robinson reportedly at practice actually went over to him and said, quote, excuse my French, keep that shit in bounds because apparently he just can't seem to do that. So we don't much care about Blake Bortles anymore. Last year, you know, we all got fooled by him, and a lot of people drafted him relatively high. But this year, I don't think they're going to make that mistake. But there are other people on that team and that Jacksonville team that we are worried about, including Allen Robinson, who has an ADP of 42, and Leonard Fournette, their rookie, with an ADP of 21. I know how Ryan feels about Fournette. But, Nick, tell me, what are your thoughts about the Jacksonville Jaguars? I mean, this is just a mess all around. Both Bortles and Henny have looked awful in the preseason so far. They're missing passes. I think the only person who's looked worse as a quarterback is Brock Osweiler. It's just been, it's just been a train wreck to watch. I think Bortles tried to fix his throwing motion, and he's just completely forgotten how to throw the ball now. Uh, it just looks awful out there, and he can't seem to aim his passes correctly. Uh, for me, this is a big downgrade for uh, Robinson. I took him out of my mid-teens as a wide receiver and dropped him down to 21. Wow. I've got him down. I've got him down behind uh, Pryor and uh, Watkins now. Uh, beyond that, uh, I think Fournette, it hurts him a little bit. I bumped him down slightly after watching some of these preseason games because I just don't think this team's going to score very much, and that's going to limit uh, Fournette's ceiling if he can't get the touchdowns. Beyond that, I think it really hurts the uh, number whoever ends up being that number two receiver between Hearns, Lee, and Westbrook. Uh, I'm kind of. I was originally on Lee, but with the ankle injury, I'm kind of pulled off that. I still think it probably is Hearns now, but that upside is going to be limited if this passing game can't get together, and I don't think it will. Do you think that this impacts Leonard Fournette in a dynasty or keeper format at all? Oh no, I'm not concerned about Fournette in any sort of dynasty keeper league. I'm just looking at this here. He's his upside's probably limited a little bit. Okay, and does Allen Robinson move up at all? for you in like a PPR league or some, some league in which he'll have to uh, he'll get some benefit from catching all those passes. I mean, he's never been a massive catch volume type guy. He was more of a yardage and touchdown, depth of target and touchdown type player. So he may even get a slight penalty for me in a full PPR versus a standard league. Mm-hmm. All right. Ryan, what do you think about uh, this Blake Bortles incident and how this impacts the Jacksonville Jaguars? And I thought, as I already said, I know how you feel about Fournette, but do you feel worse about him now? Yeah, I mean, I feel worse about the entire situation. So um, the one throw I'm sure we've all seen um, by this point because the NFL Network's played it on loop for a couple of days here. But, uh, you know, there's a, there was the throw where, where Allen Robinson beats his man by about five yards, and Bortles puts the ball so shallow that, that Allen Robinson basically has to stop in his tracks and the pass gets uh, broken up. So that's what you're yep. dealing with there. I think, you know, and uh, to kind of to follow on what Nick just said, you know, two years ago I had Allen Robinson in one of my leagues. Um, I got him early. Uh, in, in the year off the waiver wire, and that's when the, his, you know, kind of his breakout year there. Um, a lot of the damage was done that year in the second half. They would get down by a lot, and Blake Bortles would just start chucking the ball all over the yard, down 20-something points in the second half, and um, him and Robinson would connect on some big touchdown plays, and especially if you're in a league with a four-yard bonus, um, you know, that, that really improved their value. And then last year when they were in closer games, um, I think you saw at least what Blake Bortles really is. I still believe in Allen Robinson personally, um, but from a fantasy perspective this year, I don't, you know, I, you know, 21 is right around where I would have them too. Um, you know, you just, you don't want to touch anybody on that offense right now because the quarterback situation is an absolute mess. Um, Fournette, you know, you know how I feel about him in general, but yeah, as, as the offense continues to, to grade down, 
um, the more they have to put the ball in his hands and the more that they can't give a complimentary passing game with him, um, the more you can stack eight men in the box and shut him down in his rookie season. So I think the, the whole, the whole era, the whole team and the whole, that whole side of the ball for them is pretty toxic right now. All right. So Nick, tell us, what do you think about Chris Ivory? Leonard Fournette actually has his foot injury. That's kind of lingering, keeping him out of practice for over a week. He's not going to be in the rest of the preseason. Any thoughts on any value for Chris Ivory going forward this year? I mean, unless there's an actual injury to Fournette, I think there's no real value to Ivory. I think Ivory is basically just insurance for Fournette at this point. They're going to use him as the backup, and Yeldon will be kind of that change of pace, pass-catching role. Um, I think it's basically setting up exactly like Oakland is, where you have Fournette and Lynch being uh, equivalents. you got Chris Ivory being the DeAndre Washington equivalent, and then Richard and Yeldon are the same. Okay, all right. So, uh, Allen Robinson, in a 12-team league, your thoughts, Nick, where would you decide to pick him up? What round? Where I'm, where I'm starting to have him slide, I'm probably looking around mid to late round five is where I'd probably wow. be looking to take him, which means I'm probably not going to own him anywhere. Right. All right, Ryan, what are your thoughts on where you would take Allen Robinson? Ryan? Yeah, sorry, technical difficulties. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Allen Robinson. Name of the game. That's, um, how we, that's how we roll around here. <laughs> you know, what, what I'll say is I'm in a I'm in a, uh, a keeper league where we keep four players. Um, only one guy can be in the top 50, and I had the chance to keep Allen Robinson as my number three wide receiver behind T.Y. Hilton and Mike Thomas, and I uh, opted to take the to, uh, to to not take him this year. So um, I wouldn't touch okay. him maybe as a flex option and hope and hope for the best. But um, you know, I feel more confident going in getting pretty much anybody else right now because I I had Allen Robinson last year and I know how frustrating he was from a fantasy perspective. All right, let's go ahead and ring the bell on that topic. That's it for Lake Bortles and those Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's talk about the next group of guys and that's down in Dallas. We all heard of the suspension for Ezekiel Elliott. Six-game suspension. He's filed an appeal. The appeal will be heard on August 29th, but a lot of you will be drafting before then. And some of you might not know the result of that appeal by the time you draft. 2016 was a big season for him. 1,631 rush yards, 363 receiving yards, and 16 total touchdowns. His ADP is 14. It ranges anywhere from 4 to 24. Nick, what do you do with Ezekiel Elliott? And what do you do if you get Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, right now, I'm looking to draft Ezekiel Elliott if I can catch him in the front half of the third round, uh, even with the six-game suspension. Something you have to remember, this is a weekly game, and you want an advantage on every single week you can get it. So I will try to make something else those six weeks that I lose him. But the six weeks I've got him, if I can pair him with Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Gordon McCoy, um, and have Zeke be my running back too, I'm going to take that advantage for the weeks I get him in the season. Mm-hmm. And you, would you actually take someone as a backup, like uh, handcuff him with Darren McFadden or Alfred Morris, or would you look to draft – some upside later uh, running back in order to be your number two? I wouldn't actually go upside. I would go for a safe floor player as my fill-in um, who I can get for cheap. Someone like maybe ProSize, Rawls, Kamara, uh, Chris Thompson, maybe Terrence West or Buck Allen if one of them separates themselves, maybe Duke Johnson. Just a player I can get in the ninth, 10th, 11th round. Uh, I would love to handcuff him uh, to McFadden or Morris, but at this point I have no idea which person it's going to be because they've both looked pretty bad this preseason, and the coaches haven't committed to either one uh, in Zeke's place. So I may just avoid that mess and go for someone a little bit safer that I can plug in for the weeks that Zeke's gone and try to do my best to win without him. 
Okay, and McFadden going generally around the 10th round, ADP 117 in 12-team standard league, but he's starting to slide. Uh, he was sliding before this news, and he's now moving up, and now he's coming up uh, closer to the 6th round. It sounds like you have to pay up if you want to pair him with Darren McFadden. All right, your shots, thoughts, Ryan. What do you think about Zeke Elliott? Where are you going to take him, and what are you going to do if you get him? Yeah, so I agree with Nick. Um, the third round is really where I would target him as an RB2. Um, preferably, uh, you know, as we talked about during our, our draft a couple, uh, about a week and a half ago now, um, that I was really trying to target him in the late 3-4 turn um, was where I was really hoping he would fall to. But uh, in that draft, as in uh, every mock draft I've done since the suspension, which is about six or seven now, uh, yep. people are still taking him as RB1 in the beginning of the second round, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Wow. Um, so then, I, you know, I think his, his ADP I saw on Fantasy Pros today was still like – um, was still about 12 or 13 or 14, somewhere in that range, which I just think is way too early for a guy who's going to miss, again, not just six games, but also the bye week in that stretch there. So he actually is not going to be available for you for fantasy purposes till week eight. Um, right. But so, yeah, so I, I'm targeting him as an RB2. Um, the play I really like right now is uh, is grabbing Jaquiz Rogers late in the draft. Um, have him for the first three weeks while Doug Martin's out. And then you figure out those four middle weeks, and then you have Zeke come off the bench after that. So you play, um, you know, you play the, the the waiver wire there from week four through week seven, and then you have Zeke down the stretch. And I think Jaquiz Rogers is a is a viable RB two option for the first three weeks while Doug Martin's out. So you also yep, don't want to commit to either Darren McFadden or Alfred Morris. Oh yeah, no no interest in them. I I I haven't. Uh, Alfred Morris is, is over that over that uh, you know that that hump for me as far as NFL running backs and McFadden's uh, probably one of the top five most disappointing players I've ever seen uh, in this league and as we talked about last week this isn't the same offensive line they've had um, for the last five or six years again most in most you know most ranking sites when you go look at the offensive line rankings um, has the Cowboys down to a middle of the pack offensive line now this is not the offensive line from the last three or four years that has, has been, you know, uh, leading the league far, you know, sh- shoulders and head above the rest of the league. Um, they've fallen back to the pack. So now you put in an older, um, you know, old, one of those two older running backs in there um, with a, with an offensive line that's regressed. I, you know, I, I don't like that. I don't care if they're going 10th, 11th, or 12th. I'd rather, I'd rather take Jaquiz in the ninth round, um, which is around where he's going in most mocks I see. Um, and then there's, again, you know, figure it out those four middle weeks. And if I have to roll out a dud, I have to roll out a dud, and then I'll have, um, you know, Zeke for the playoff run. All right, Nick? Yep. Uh, so did you, uh, you you want to your thoughts on that strategy? Uh, I mean, Jaquiz is a very similar player to the ones I mentioned where, yeah, you're grabbing a player who can get you by for a couple weeks and just try to ride out the storm until you can get your main weapon back. I like that strategy a lot. All right. Okay. So let's uh, – there's a lot of things to consider there. Let's go ahead and ring the bell on the Dallas Cowboys. Actually, we want to throw a curveball to all you guys, and that's going to be talking about the New York Giants. Uh, last night's preseason game, Odell Beckham had a little bit of a low hit, though legal, vicious but low. And it actually, uh, there's actually some concern, some concern that he is going to have an ankle sprain of, of the low ankle variety. It looked like it might have been a knee accident, knee injury. It might look like it also could have been some sort of injury with respect to uh, concussion, but he passed concussion protocol and things seem, seem, things seem to be on track. But he is a first-round draft pick. He has an ADP in the top five. What are your thoughts about the Giants and OBJ going forward, Nick? Uh, I've dropped him out of uh, the top four. Uh, I had him as my number two overall receiver. I've dropped him to the back of the tier I had him in. 
I had him in the same tier with Julio, uh, Mike Evans, and A.J. Green, so I've got him at the mm-hmm. back of that tier now. Uh, it's an injury that these types of injuries can linger for an entire season. Uh, you're never quite sure if a guy's going to get fully recovered from him. They may try to rush him back, and it's just something he never quite recovers from, and it hampers his play for the whole season. Um, or he may have some instability in the in the um, ankle, and he could re-injure it again. It's a situation where it's, you're adding another layer of uncertainty. Um, so I'm still happy to take him in the first round, but I'm going to take the other three guys in that same tier ahead of him now. All right, and Ryan, what do you think about that? Are you going to take OBJ uh, near the top of the first round still, or are you going to drop him down the line as well? You know, I'm torn. Um, you know, the good news is is that, you know, from the last tweet I saw before we jumped on here, it's it's not the high ankle sprain. It's not the, you know, it's not the MCL, right. ACL, PCL trio. Um, yep. So all things considered, it's the best case scenario. Um, and I think he, I just think he's going to have a monster year um, if, if he can, you know, obviously stay healthy and this doesn't linger. Um, you know, if I'm the Giants, I put, I put him on mothballs and I don't see him until week one at the earliest. And if they're really smart and they're really trying to make a deep run this year, um, they won't, as you know, as Nick said, they didn't, did, you know, the concern about them rushing him back, um, they shouldn't rush him back. They should, they should hold him out until he's fully ready to go so this doesn't linger all season. But um, so w- with the uncertainty, I guess, you know, uh, begrudgingly, I would have to put him, <laughs> put him back in that, in that same tier he just mentioned um, because, you know, again, you just you, – that the whole, the whole thing with fantasy football, right, you want to take – um, you know, you want to try to avoid injuries as much as possible. Um, so drafting a guy who already has something that could linger all year is obviously concerning. All right. Okay. So let's go ahead and ring the bell on OBJ and move on to our next topic, and that's preseason standouts. We're now past the first two weeks of the preseason. Obviously, everyone knows that the third game of the preseason is when we get the, a little bit of a dress rehearsal, but we've seen a little bit more about who's going to be starting where and how all these rookies are going to be doing so tell me, Nick, give me some preseason standouts based on the first two weeks of the preseason game. So I'm a uh, huge dynasty player, so I want to call it a couple of rookies that have flashed for me that I was high on in the uh, pre-draft process. First right. off, we've got uh, Tariq, Tariq Cohen playing for the Chicago Bears. He was a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, he's backing up Jordan Howard, and it looks like he may have locked down their change-of-pace pass-catching role. Uh, he's, a, he's built like a tank at 5'6 and 179 pounds. Uh, so he's just a little bowling ball of murder. Put up 116 yards and 18 attempts so far in the preseason. He's looked great doing it. He's built exactly like Darren Sproles. Uh, came out of North Carolina A&T, so most people really aren't going to know him. But he looks like he's got this number two spot locked down, and I like his upside going into the season. He may even be draftable in redraft leagues, and I love him in Dynasty. Uh, wow. Second guy would be would be Alvin Kamara. He's put up 96 yards rushing on nine attempts, including housing a 50-yarder against the Chargers on Saturday. Uh, and then he also had a 22-yard catch, so he's averaging 11.8 yards per touch right now, showing off the elite balance that made him a five-star recruit in college. was a, a lot of fun to watch there in Tennessee, even though he was on limited touches. And the main thing mm-hmm. I like about him, he's just a very different player than Peterson and Ingram, who are more bigger-type uh, classic backs. We're going to be more between the tackles. This is their uh, this classic change of pace back that they seem to like in that offense down in New Orleans. So I'm confident he's going to have a role. I think he's got a pretty safe floor this year, and I love his long-term outlook in Dynasty. So those are two guys that have flashed for me that I was big on, and I'm happy to see him do well. Awesome. All right, Ryan, do you want to give us two, uh, two preseason standouts of your own? Yeah, so I went um, one rookie and one, uh, one born again. Um, and by born again, the only thing better than finding Jesus is, uh, is you know, as an <laughs> underused running back finding the New England Patriots. So uh, oh, yeah. before Mike yep. Gillisley came on the scene, um, you know, I was I was 
very high on the Rex Burkhead signing. Uh, if you watched the game against the Texans last week uh, or this past weekend, he looked explosive. He uh, proved he can run between the tackles. Um, and with Gillisley being injured and not getting on the field, it really looks like Burkhead's going to be their, their bell cow. Um, the other two guys are going to be the change of pace, third down, spread out guys. But it's going to be Burkhead running between the tackles. And, um, you know, he had uh, ran a beautiful option route and took it to the house. Um, so he had, you know, I think uh, three catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. He had uh, seven carries for 20 yards. Um, so, so Burkhead, I think, is, uh, I think is the guy who's kind of emerging as the number one there um, for the Patriots. And then my second guy, uh, my rookie, is Cooper Cup uh, out in L.A. I know they obviously have Sammy Watkins now and Robert Woods, but um, it seems like Cup and uh, uh, Goff have had a really good relationship. Uh, every time uh, Goff is asked about Cup, um, he raved about him, and so far um, he's had 10 targets for 105 yards. This last preseason game, he went six for 70. Um, so as much as I think Goff stinks, um, and I don't know what what uh, what Cooper Cup's uh, long-term um, you know career will be in the NFL, I think it's clear that they've built a little bit of a chemistry, and he could be somebody um, who who uh, Goff relies on. And uh, they they were two for two on third down conversions um, in their in their second preseason game there. So obviously, when the moments are uh, are tight. It looks like that's Goff's security blanket. Yeah, so well, Goff's uh, looks much you. better. Go ahead, go ahead, Nick. I was gonna say Goff looks much better this preseason too. He was a rookie last year with a offense that was just run. Got to be one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in terms of how it was run. Uh, so we may see a Goff turnaround a little bit here. I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. So let me ask you both this question: Cooper Cup is actually going at an ADP of 219. So basically, he's not being drafted in most leagues. Would either of you take him in a non-dynasty or keeper format this year? Nick? Uh, not the type of player I'm generally targeting with my end-of-bench stasher, just because I think he's going to be more of a floor player. But he's definitely going to be a waiver priority if I'm desperate need for a plug-and-play type wide receiver. Uh, or if it's a deeper, maybe 16-team type format, I'm definitely going to be looking at him. Okay, Ryan, what are your thoughts? Are you going to take a, take a uh, stab at him in redraft league? No, I, I agree. I would put him in. Uh, I would put him in my category of, of high priority waiver guy. Um, but in absolutely in dynasty or uh, keeper leagues, I'm taking him with one of my last picks um, if he's there to stash and see if he develops over this year. All right. So I'm gonna name one guy who uh, is not somebody who is uh, who is hard to find. He's not new to the league, but he's taking some big steps forward. I think. And that's Marcus Mariota, who's had some terrific performances in the preseason so far. Those Tennessee Titans look like they were just clicking along, and they're going to be somewhat of an offensive juggernaut. He's had the best weapons around him he's had in a long time. ADP, 82, towing in the seventh round in 12-team league. What are your thoughts on Marcus Mariota? Do you think he's worth uh, a pick somewhere in advance of the seventh round of a 12-team league, redraft league? What do you think, Nick? I just don't like taking quarterbacks that high if I can avoid it. Um, I have seen him slip later in a few of my drafts where I've actually grabbed him in the ninth or 10th round. I'm happy mm-hmm. to do it there, but generally in the seventh round, I'm still going to be wanting to grab running backs or uh, wide receivers at that point. Okay. What do you think, Ryan? Would you take a stab at Marcus Mariota? Yeah. I mean, I, I like Mariota. I think he's poised for a breakout. I think he's got more weapons than he ever had than he's ever had, but um, you know, not to just mirror Nick's opinion there, but in every mock draft I've done to this point, I go in saying if I can get Mariota in the ninth round or later, I'll absolutely take him. But most of the times he's taken by the sixth, seventh round, and a few times he's fallen to the eighth. But I have not actually seen him fall to the ninth or tenth round in a single mock draft I've done in 12 to 14 team leagues so far. I think the hype train is catching up. I think the hype train is catching up with this guy. So if you, gotta, if you want him, I'd have to take him a little early. One more guy I want to throw at you guys. Christian McCaffrey, average draft position 30. 
going in the third round of standard 12-team redraft league. He's looking pretty dynamite. He is fast. He has some fast genes as well. What do you guys think about that, Nick? You taking a swing of Christian McCaffrey in a redraft league this year? Uh, not for that expensive. Uh, I've got Christian McCaffrey as an early fourth. So if he's going to come off the board before the turn there in the third, I'm probably going to end up missing him. Uh, the rookie running back I'm targeting is going to be definitely Dalvin Cook. I just think he's got a safer role to carve out than the other three or the other two uh, uh, rookie backs are in the same tier he is. All right. And Ryan, what are your thoughts on uh, Christian McCaffrey? My man, Nick, uh, I, you know me, I love Delvin Cook, and I think he's looked uh, just as explosive in the preseason here. Um, I just, you know, I like McCaffrey, and I think he's looked great, but I think, I just think he's just, um, he's going too high right now. He's been, he's been hyped coming into drafts, and, and his stock has only gone up. Um, you know, for me, I'd like to target him as a flex option. I don't want to roll into this year with McCaffrey as one, as one of my top two running backs. Um, and somebody that I actually have to rely on for the season. I'd like to take him in a flex position, um, but unfortunately he's just not following that far in the drafts right now. All right, so that's all the time we have today, blowing the horn. Thank you, Nick, for joining us on the show. Go ahead and give everybody your uh, Twitter account uh, so that people can follow you. Uh, I'm mainly on the show page. You can follow the show at, at BeerFueledFF. Uh, and also on Facebook, Beerfield Fantasy Football. We drop podcasts three days a week, and we just launched a YouTube channel, Beerfield Fantasy Football, where we're going to be doing new segments every single day to keep you guys informed on what's going on in the preseason and regular season. That's fantastic. Everybody, go check it out if you haven't. If you haven't checked it out, you're really missing out. Ryan, your Twitter address? Yeah, Twitter's at Ryan Whitfield, NE, and make sure to check out DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. Awesome. And then you can follow me at FB Garbage Time. And until next time, enjoy your fantasy football week.